four corners of the wrestling ring we call life. I am your host, Ethan Schneider, alongside Derek Hegna. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And this is the Rebel Wrestling Podcast. Let's do it. The first topic we're going to bring up today, the SmackDown Draft, which was, in my opinion, rather interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. There were definitely some big names that I wasn't expecting to see moving brands, such as Bray Wyatt going to SmackDown. I was certain that he was going to end up going to Raw at some point, but I think that honestly can end up working out. Yeah, no, I just overall being there live, the SmackDown crowd, it seemed really, really good. Like it was actually shocking. Like this is my this is my first ever SmackDown in I want to say a couple months, and just being in the crowd, seeing the draft live, seeing that new set, it was just really good. Like there's not besides all the wrestling stuff and the stuff that we'll talk about later with Hell in a Cell and all that, it just it just felt good. Like it felt like a new era. Yeah, I definitely agree. I was very live myself, and there was a there was a hot crowd there in Vegas, and obviously Vegas, as of lately, has had a lot of hot crowds. We know that Double or Nothing from AEW was here not too long ago. We know that with a new stadium coming up, WrestleMania has a good chance of coming up here in the near future, and I think that with showings like this, with a crowd that is so hot i think that that's going to be a good sign for them going forward and i think that's going to lead to more opportunities and bigger shows potentially coming over here oh no definitely and there was this one sign i don't know if you saw it vegas for wrestlemania yeah i was sitting uh, in the section that that guy was in so i saw that i'm like yes i appreciate that oh yeah and i'm pretty sure once the new stadium once the new stadium is built that will be like a done deal so let's get into like what actually happened. So first match of the night, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. Wow, is all I can say. Yeah, that was a good one. It would no, it was a really good match, and I being there live now. Oh my God, the Fiend is great. Oh yeah, I'm. I no one's gonna see it, but I am actually wearing a Fiend shirt while we're recording this. So. You can tell that I definitely appreciate The Fiend. I think he's been probably the best thing WWE's come up with in the last six months or however long he's been up. Oh, yeah, no. I can already tell. And it looks lovely on you, if I do say so myself. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. <laughs> but, no, that was a class match. And personally for me, up until the ending, I thought it was going to be like Roman Reigns after WrestleMania, after he beat The Undertaker, I thought they were going to boo Seth out the building. But yet, no, the Vegas crowd showed some restraint. There were some boos, but I feel like just it just shows how good Seth Rollins is, where throughout the match, he just started to win them over. Yeah, I definitely think that the crowd was in favor of Roman throughout. I definitely noticed a few guys who were more... Uh, pro reigns in this case, but Rollins definitely did well for himself. I think the crowd respects him enough that they know that it's not his fault that Hell in a Cell went the way it did. They know that it wasn't his decision, so I think that he was just that they realized that, and that's why they didn't end up booing him. No, for sure, definitely. But you know who did who they did boo. Baron Corbin. They always boo that man. He is so good as a heel. He honestly is so underrated as a wrestler and as a heel that it really hurts when I hear people boo and want him to leave. It's just like he's doing his job. Also, it wasn't clear. Baron, the next match after that was Baron Corbin versus Chad Gable, where... It's Shorty Gable now, don't forget. Y- yep, no, no. It, that still angers me to no end, but it's what they put on the uh, graphic. Yeah, I know. And, and that just surprised me. Like, with Shorty Gable, like, I just didn't know that. I just wasn't expecting it to be real. Like, we know he's, we all saw the leaks, and Shorty G was proposed, but now they're just running with it, and it's becoming over. So I can't really hate it too much. I mean, yeah, I think maybe there is a chance because Gable is a talented wrestler. There's no question that he can top anything, he can make it work if possible. But at the same time, I think WWE would really have to make it seem like he can come out on top against guys like Corbin 
and other big guys as well. Well, at the end of the night, though, we all had to bend the knee to the king. And I will say his entrance music, the best of this year, like the best ever. Wow. Oh, yeah, no, it's so good. And I can't help it. I just like kings. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, Corbin's theme, too. I like the old one. The new Regal thing, the whole, like, uh, kingly touch to it, I think that it. I think that was nice. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. That remix is mm, fire, as the kids say. <laughs> so then after that, we had Lesnar come out, and we had his friend come out. Paul Heyman. I was going to say Cain Velasquez, but yeah, no. Well, both of them did anyway, so it doesn't matter really. <laughs> and I feel so bad because during that match, I made the foolish mistake of, you know, I'm hungry. I'm going to wait in line to get food. I hear Lesnar's music hit, and then I hear Kane Velasquez. I'm like, stomach, why? But, yeah. you know, it's fine. Yeah, it was definitely a big deal. Lesnar just seems like a dominant champion, but Kane Velasquez, about nine years ago, proved otherwise, gave Lesnar that scar on his uh, left eye, and, hey, is there a chance that he can end up fulfilling his promise? Maybe. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not. I think they'll probably want Lesnar to lose the WWE Championship to someone who isn't going to have their first match in Saudi Arabia during the Crown Jewel show. But do I think that Kane... But Kane Velasquez, I actually saw his debut match in AAA against uh, Killer Cross, Tejano, and someone else, I'm pretty sure. And he was actually really good. I think he's going to end up opening a lot of eyes if people are watching. Oh, yeah, no, and I caught some of his AAA stuff that he did, and he could actually go. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, and this may sound so weird to so many people, but I feel like Lesnar is going to be a transitional champion for Cain Velasquez. Wow. Because I think, like, and I don't think it's just Fox, but I just think Cain Velasquez as a performer, as a wrestler, I think he has it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I again, I think that they'd rather just build him up to be a credible threat, but he'll probably end up going where Rey Mysterio ends up going, which will probably end up being Friday Night SmackDown. But I think it's definitely a possibility. I can see I can see Lesnar losing to a lot of guys that were drafted on SmackDown both tonight and and with Kane Velasquez as well, so It'll be interesting to see how the WWE Championship picture all works itself out. I think an underrated moment for me would be um, not having Lesnar versus Tyson Fury. Because I think that could actually be a money match in the future. Like after he does his stuff with Braun Strowman and they have their crown jewel shenanigans done. I feel like that will be a good money match right there. Kind of like a crossover MMA versus boxing in a way? Well, I guess now it would just be wrestling versus boxing. It'll be like on the same... It won't be on the same level, but it'll be like Muhammad Ali versus Anoki. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely look into it, I think. Obviously, Tyson's Fur Tyson Fury's boxing obligations are going to come first. There's that rematch with Deontay Wilder coming up, I want to say, in February. And there are reports that there are people representing Fury that are kind of nervous about this match, hoping he doesn't get injured and the match doesn't have to get called off. The money that can be made during that match ends up going out the window so we're obviously going to have to be careful but i think that it could work oh no definitely and moving moving on a little bit to Fair the enough. next match was um now nah, i'll work on my transitions that that was rough <laughs> episode one ladies yeah, and gentlemen episode one we still have to build our chemistry. The, don't expect a five-star classic <laughs> <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge six-star match according to dave Meltzer. There you go. Minus five stars, according to Alvarez. Anyway, <laughs> next up was New Day versus the OC. And surprisingly, like, even though it was it seemed like a throwaway match, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was definitely fun. I liked the ending sequence with Kofi and Styles, how they had all those uh, close finishers, and then Kofi hits the trouble in paradise for the win. I thought that was nice. Oh, no. Like, just... We, we seem to forget how good Kofi and AJ are. Like, well, we all know how good Kofi is, but, like, we always seem to forget how good AJ Styles is. And I would love to see, hell, a best of 10 series between the both of them. 
Yeah, it would be fun. I think that, honestly, we, we know AJ Styles and the OC got drafted to Raw. I would not be shocked if Styles drops the United States Championship only to go straight into a world championship. I think that he definitely, he and he has shown this, I think he can definitely prove to be a top heel for Raw. Oh, no, definitely. I think that's a huge get for Raw. And just the OC is so cool. Now, hopefully we get their other friend in it as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was honestly a little surprised to see uh, how that all transpired, but I think that that would be cool. Oh, yeah, no. It, Bring that, him back. Hell, yeah. That would be great. OC versus Undisputed Era. True. Or you could do um, OC ver- uh, Actually, no, you can't do this because Randy because FTRKO was uh, unfortunately split up, mm. which is tragic. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But, hey. We can only wait and see in Fantasy Book on WWE 2K20, not sponsored. (laughs) On to the main event of the evening. Oh, yeah. And surprisingly, my match of the night, honestly. Agreed. Same. Bayley versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's title. And, oh, my God, they did it. Yep, they finally did it. A month-long storyline, and... It finally culminated right in front of us. You just, uh, I'm I'm happy for Bailey, even though she looks different. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy for her. She, her, her finally turning heel. Oh my god, that was something I actually wasn't expecting. Like to, well, she did turn heel, but to fully turn heel with new, like a new look, and then after new music. That was great. Yeah, and then her ripping open the Bailey Buddies on the stage, that was the sign that, oh, my God, they're actually going to finally 100% commit to this. To give you all a perspective, that was literally like someone – like it was literally like someone just tore open a Golden Knights jersey at T-Mobile. It was like the boos were insane, dude. Yeah, speaking of which, um, can we just – point out the irony here that Bailey, who's from San Jose, California, finally competes her he- oh completes her heel God. turn in Vegas. Can we just can we just mention the irony of that for at least a few seconds? Oh my. No, I Because that's what I was thinking too. I was looking around and I was like, she's from San Jose and she turned heel in Vegas. This makes one hundred percent sense. And I was thinking that she was going to pull a promo, and I'm like, there is a low-hanging fruit you can hit. Go for it, and I will not care. Oh, my God. I I literally just cut onto it right now, and I feel so dumb. But, no, <laughs> it was really good. And her just beating Charlotte Flair that decisively for the title and winning the title, I, I'm very – I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating. I think that obviously – I honestly want to see both of them drafted to SmackDown now. I want to see how this continues, especially with Sasha Banks being there, too. Oh, no, definitely. And what would, if you had to give SmackDown a grade, what would you give it? Um. Oh, boy. Mm. I would say that as far as SmackDown goes, I'd say a solid B. I mean, there weren't real, there weren't really a moment that I'm going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. That I was here during that time, but I think there were a lot of good moments. There was the Bailey Charlotte match, a few sequences during Reigns versus Rollins that were quite awesome to watch. Big time pops, obviously the big draft feel that came with the show. I think it worked out pretty nicely. Oh no, for sure. Like I'm leaning more towards B plus and. I think like just overall matches, Bailey turning heel, OC versus New Day, and Seth Rollins basically getting assaulted and taken to hell by the Fiend. I think this was a SmackDown that I know I won't forget, but I think overall, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, pretty I good. agree with that. Personally, I thought the draft was this year, honestly, was pretty good, and I know people were are gonna are gonna poo poo the the whole uh, Fox and USA executives getting involved. But I personally feel like that actually adds a little bit more dimension to it. And overall, the draft, it felt real, like, honestly. Like, it felt really good. Yeah, I know they definitely mentioned that they wanted to have that more sports draft feel. They wanted to make it seem more legitimate and all that. 
I think that obvious, obviously you could argue that the War Room segments were a little bit cheesy, but if that's the only thing that we're nitpicking, then they did a good job. I mean, yeah. I mean, and also cutting to Aikman and Joe Buck, and it those segments felt a little off, but overall, hey, it was pretty good. And I just want to go over, like, what are your thoughts going to be for Raw? Like, who do you think is going to be the first overall draft on Monday? Ooh, so we definitely have to look at Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks first. Becky gets Raw, Sasha gets SmackDown, Winter gets the first pick for their brand. Oh, boy. After that, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I can definitely see Becky winning, so Raw can keep the whole three picks for Raw, two picks for SmackDown deal. I can definitely see that happening. And then, ooh, boy. I mean, it's definitely going to be a world champion, I think. I know that, and I feel like it's probably going to end up being Seth Rollins because I know SmackDown really wants Brock Lesnar. I think they want that. No, definitely. Um, although, I'm going to go with the crazy pick. I'm going to have Sasha beat Becky, and so SmackDown gets the first pick on Monday. And I think the first overall pick, I think it might be Aleister Black. Ooh. Like, not only does he fit the mold of what an MMA slash sports superstar should be, he's also my personal favorite and also just really, really good. His matches in NXT were amazing. So I think if SmackDown is looking, is going to be looking at someone to draft, it'll be Aleister Black. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think the one thing, though, is that Paul Heyman, who repres- who is part of the creative directive team of Raw, I know that he said he said before that he really wants Aleister Black. He's one of the few guys he wants. So I think depending on how everything worked out, I think that – because Aleister Black's honestly one guy that I don't know where he's going to go. I think – I agree with you that his matches are incredible. I think that the minute that they decide that they're going to ditch those knock-on-my-door sequences and just get to him just going after people, I think the minute they do that, that's going to they have a megastar on their hands, potentially. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And so I guess going to Raw now, who do you think is going to be the first their, their first pick? For Raw? Yeah. Ooh. I would probably still say Seth Rollins. I think that there's a lot of things that you can make work with that. Not to mention matches like Rollins versus Styles, Rollins versus McIntyre. Those would be incredible to watch. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I have to agree, actually, Seth Rollins being the first pick. It just makes sense. And it could also be cute because his uh, his soon-to-be wife is, was drafted first. And it'll be, it'll be kind of nice. Yeah, honestly, though, I just hope WWE just keeps them separate on their different stories. They can just, and obviously there's going to be some hints and pieces there. Everyone knows about the relationship between Rollins and Lynch by now. You can't really fool anyone with that mm-hmm. anymore. But as far as the sto- the creative aspect goes, I think they're just better off having their own separate stories instead of having to shoehorn them in because... They tried that once with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, and it it didn't really work out. It wasn't terrible, but it didn't exactly light the world on fire either, I don't think. Oh, no, exactly. And also, I know what word that is. I should have said fiancé. There you go. Yeah. Well, now you did. Yep. Now I fixed it. All right. So I guess overall, what do you think will be a surprise in the draft? Surprise of the draft? I'm going to probably say Buddy Murphy to Raw. Really? Yeah, Murphy, I think, I agree with a lot of people because everyone thinks Murphy is going to be a big star. And we saw his matches with Roman Reigns. We saw a match with Daniel Bryan. We saw his match with Ali in the first round of the King of the Ring tournament. He was really good. I was very impressed by him. And And similar to Aleister Black, I think there are rumors spinning around that Paul Heyman wants Buddy Murphy on Raw. And I think that they can do a lot of things with him. I think that he can be a very solid fit to the United States Championship. He could even end up being the United States Champion at some point. He could be the guy to take that belt off of Styles, propel Styles to the main event picture, and then he can be that guy in the mid card for a little while. Oh, no, definitely. And 
I guess with me, I think The Miz to SmackDown. It just makes sense, and I feel The Miz, all the way back in 2016, has made SmackDown his brand, and just having The Miz come back and be a part of this new SmackDown, I feel it just adds something more, because if The Fiend is going to be on SmackDown and Bray Wyatt, I feel that The Miz only makes sense, him being, and hopefully the Intercontinental Championship being there too, like so Shinsuke also to SmackDown. That would be great, just to see what he can do more in that new sports centric style smackdown yeah i think it'd be really great and also his promos are literally the best and arguably he's one of the best wrestlers going right now so i think i think the miz definitely yeah could you imagine a firefly funhouse takeover of miz tv could you imagine that i can only dream that would be crazy i just think a firefly funhouse takeover of just any pay-per-view would be great yeah, it's it's gold. No, it it will turn any. It has the Midas touch. Oh yeah, and yeah. So the drafts were all excited, and hopefully, you guys let us know who you're excited about, and what surprises you think was going to happen. So the Wednesday Night Wars, they happened. Yeah, they're, they're happening. Going on. Oh yeah. So NXT, I guess we'll start. What is what what are your thoughts on NXT? Um, I definitely think it's interesting. Obviously, NXT has been a very solid product for WWE. Bringing it to the USA Network and pre- presenting it to a mainstream audience as the main option to AEW, I think it was very smart. I think it attracts a similar crowd to what AEW wants to attract. And so just having that as the counterbalance makes some sense. Oh, no, for sure. And I feel like this NXT, even though I didn't catch much of it, I've heard it was really good. And I'm and from a little bit as I caught, I caught, it was pretty good. Yeah. So I guess we should just run down the card really quick. Cruiserweight Championship match. What, what were your thoughts on that? Leo Rush is amazing. That's all I'm going to say about that. True. I would argue both are amazing. And I thought it was really cool of Gulak to, to almost like – it almost was a throwback in a way, like how we have NWA power now where it's just more about respect and wrestling. It was really nice for him to hand over the title to Leo Rush and present it to him. I thought that was so great, and both of them had a phenomenal match. Oh, yeah. I definitely thought it was a match of a night. And obviously, by now, I think people know Gulak It was picked up by SmackDown in the undrafted free agent cycle. So I think maybe that was a way of getting a changing of the guard going on. Oh, no, for sure. I can't wait to see what they do and what the Cruiserweight division goes to next. Rhea Ripley and and Aaliyah. I almost said Ali. That's (laughs) someone else. Yep, someone else. Do you have anything? (laughs) I mean, what can we say? I mean, Rhea Ripley is very solid, I would say. And her calling out Shayna Baszler, I was a little... The first time they did that, I was shocked they just didn't put the title on Ripley. I really thought that she would get it. And honestly, I think that she should probably be the next women's champion. Oh, no, for sure. Like, And this just goes like to my sort of problem with the NXT women's division. You have so many great women, but because they're Shayna, Bla- Shayna Baszler... And Shayna's great. But it's just like, just having another dominant champion after Asuka, it just feels like, just let this, let them have a chance. Like, because personally, I feel Mia Yim should have had it, and I should have, and uh, Candice Array should have had it, but it is what it is. I hope Rhea Ripley does actually wins the belt, because when I saw her during the Mae Young Classic, she looked amazing. Oh, yeah. What about Io Shirai, too? Oh, no, for sure. Io is just, oh. Yep. And we're going to get Tegan Knox back, the shiniest wizard. The women's division looks really solid, and I hope that going forward they kind of emphasize more the wrestlers rather than having to be the Shayna show. Even though she is great, it's just, please, yeah. just a little bit more faces. Yeah, I think it's just time for that division to evolve. I think, And we know that Shayna's dominant by now. She's a very good heel. But I think now it's just time for her to lose the women's championship Go on to SmackDown because, again, hybrid MMA show there. Have those personalities. Hell, you could even bring the four horsewomen there. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting, I think. It would. And 
Going on to the next match, Forgotten Sons at Brizongo. Okay. Hmm. Well, obviously, we, I don't know what the plan is for the Forgotten Sons, to be honest. I mean, Brizongo, we know what they're there for. They're entertaining. They can put on good matches. We know this by now. They're very solid as in both prom- promos and matches. But the Forgotten Sons, ooh boy. I don't know what to honestly think about them. I don't know. I kind of, no pun intended, I kind of forgot that they were there. <laughs> but they're really good, and I'm just happy Brizongo is there. Even though they didn't win the match, they still did really good. And, hey, I can't wait to see what happens. Yep, we'll see what happens. And then, is this even a match? Cameron, Gr- Cameron Grimes and Boa? I mean, we know that there's we know that there's plans for Cameron Grimes. He may have lost the um, breakout tournament to Jordan Miles, but there is a plan for that guy. No, true. I just feel bad for Boa. He has a cool name. It's a snake. <laughs> yeah, true. Jake the Snake. No, I'm not gonna start. That. I'm not gonna start. Yeah, that we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But no, um, yeah, just a quick match, and can we see one more Cameron Grimes? Yep, and-, and also Killian Dane too. Yeah, I'm really happy that Killian Dane's back on NXT. I think now that he's out of sanity, I think that now they're allowing him to be his own guy. I think that he's going to end up being a dominant, big monster heel. And those are the kind of guys that I think WWE likes to have on their shows. Oh, no, definitely. And then moving swiftly on, we had a couple of vignettes. Keith Lee, Dijakovic. Damian Priest and Pete Dunne. Lee versus Dijakovic is always must watch. Like every match those two have had together have been incredible. And this is even before they were even in WWE. No, I can't wait. That's, oh. I want to see it. It's going to be great. And then Damian Priest versus Pete Dunne. I'm very interested to see what that happens. Because we know Pete what Pete Dunne can do. We know he's solid. But... Damian Priest, we haven't seen a whole lot of him in NXT yet. No. But we know what he's capable of. We've seen him in ROH before. So, again, I think he can be a very solid player for them. Definitely. I just can't wait to see the destruction and carnage each man, each match brings, and it'll be great. Next week's NXT is almost must-see. Obviously, we'll see what AEW can counter with. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, Roderick Strong versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Okay. Again, solid match. A very reliable veteran versus a promising young talent. It seems seems that's the way NXT is going. And to be honest, I can definitely see that being the right play. Right. No, I just... We all know how good Roderick Strong is. And it's going to be great to see what Isaiah Scott... What Swerve, what Isaiah Swerve Scott, my bad, getting the full name, what he's going to do. And this was just a good match, I would say. Yeah, definitely a good match. And it just shows that Undisputed Era, top to bottom, are filled with great wrestlers. Oh, no, for sure. They they fulfilled the prophecy. They did. The golden prophecy. It's going to be, it's going to be great to see what more comes of that. Yeah, although the minute that one of them starts losing their title belt, I can see them just all losing their title belts and then just going to the main roster. I think they're ready. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And so, speaking of the Undisputed Era, we had Velveteen Dream and Ciampa basically say, hey, what's up, to them in a kind of wrestler way. Yep, that's true. Velveteen Dream in his own prince-like manner. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa just showing up and not caring at all what's going on. Oh, yeah. But we were, we're also failed to remember, or we don't want to remember, the little Photoshop dream did of the, <laughs> of the title. I was laughing so much at that. <laughs> I'm, I was just laughing for how bad it was, and, and, that's, and that feels harsh just because it's Velveteen Dream, but it just felt weird almost like that part didn't feel like something dream would do it felt more like like if this was a main roster that would be brought up you know like if you remember big show and cody rhodes when they had their feud for the ic title 
Yeah, I can definitely imagine that. And I think the thing is, they're trying to see how Velveteen Dream can fit in the WWE umbrella on the main roster. Because that's the big thing that I have have somewhat of a concern of, is where is Velveteen Dream going to fit without the main roster's writing really damaging his character? Honestly, I feel like he would make a perfect fit for SmackDown. Yeah, definitely like get the showmanship, get the solid wrestling that Velveteen has. Just oh, that seems that seems really good. Just him versus Lesnar, I think even <laughs> would be must see just because it'll be so interesting. It would just because of Velveteen Dream. Like him fighting for the WWE title. Please. But moving on yeah. to the All next right. match. Hey, hey, I'm getting good at this. Bianca Belair versus Dakota Kai. Basically, same thing as a Ripley Aaliyah match. Belair beat Dakota Kai. A little shocking considering Kai just came back. But what I was definitely interested in more than the match itself was the promo that Belair got. That she wants Baszler instead of Ripley. She wants Baszler. She tells Ripley to wait in her wait her turn, stand in line like everyone else has. So I think there's going to be a program between the three of them. Oh yeah, no, and I can't wait. Like her match against Shayna, what was it during the was it Evolution? Um, I don't know if it, it was a takeover. Oh, I know oh, that. Oh no, takeover Brooklyn. Yeah, it was takeover, takeover Brooklyn. Takeover Brooklyn. It, that sounds right. It was so good, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which they will. But it was just so good that. Literally, I thought they were going to put the belt in her right then and there. I thought she was going to get it too. I really thought they were going. To, I thought they were going to pull another Oscar because she was undefeated at the time of that. And just with her hair, and she whipped Shayna and like had that scar. I was like, oh my god! It's like what? It's like why are you not putting the belt on her? Exactly. She looked dominant. She looked dominant in that match and in this match also. But speaking of dominance, Walter versus Kushida. Oh, my God. I love, 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 love Walter so much. He needs every, he needs to hold all the belts. Yeah, I can definitely see Imperium being the new Undisputed Era at some point. It was definitely a shock to me when Imperium showed up on NXT. I, we, I know that Walter has had his... Uh, What's the what's the proper word? How how do I not get chopped when I say this? Because I know that I will probably end up having a scar from that at some point. Um, we know that he's had his doubts about coming to America, living stateside, even though we know that he can he is good enough to attract that audience. Right. He can be a sort of nostalgia act, I want to say, where he's not going to wow you with just jumping over the top rope or anything like that. But if you want to see someone hit hard and strike fast, that's who you want. Oh, no, for sure. Like, just there's just so much, and it's so weird to say this, so much potential for Walter in the WWE where literally you could throw him with anybody, Lesnar, Velasquez, Strowman. He could have a match with any one of those and not only elevate, him, not only elevate himself, but also elevate them to, like, another level. And I feel like... Once Walter and, and Imperium are, I don't want to say done with NXT, but like once they want to go once on. Once they to, graduate. Once, I, yeah, and, and that sounds so weird because now it's a third brand, but pretty much, yeah. it's like once they once they transition, I should say, from NXT, they, I could honestly see them being dominant, almost like Four Horsemen Evolution back in the day, just like running rough shot. But I do hope they do this eventually. War Games is coming up. And I hope, hope, hope we get Undisputed Era versus Imperium. I think everyone wants that match. That was I because I know that they teased it on the first episode of NXT on USA, I'm pretty sure. They teased it and everyone seemed to react positively to that. I feel it'll be so it that could be match of the night, and I almost feel weird because I I also want Champa to beat Adam Cole, but I feel like wait a little bit like wait 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 Tommaso wait just a bit we have to get this first please and then you can do whatever you want yeah and we know that <laughs> NXT definitely has a whole lot of contenders for the championship they got Ciampa they have Finn Balor now they have Johnny Gargano as always Velveteen Dream could be put in there you could do that just so many options that you could put up in that 
No, but you could even argue that the winners of both Lee versus Dijakovic and Priest versus Dunn, you could even argue that they could be in line for Keith, that. Keith Lee versus Walter, please. Yes, make it happen. That would be great. So yeah, no, this NXT was great, and I feel really solid show. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. But moving on to the other side of the war we're kind of like going through the no man's land yep. going to the other side just army crawling our way through the barbed wire hopefully you don't we don't get blown up by some dynamite AEW dynamite <laughs> let's talk about that <laughs> oh my god oh no heck yeah man we're let's going do it. we're going are you proud of that yes i am okay good to know okay so first match of the night or rather, first, or first promo of a night. First promo. Chris Jericho and what we thought of as the lads come out. <laughs> Jake Hagar, Sammy Guevara, the Spanish god. And, oh, yeah. Guevara's amazing. And Santana Ortiz, not LAX. The tag team formerly known as LAX. True. The little bit of a bubbly club. Mm-hmm. I like their name, even though some people will, will not and will poo-poo it. I think it's really cool. The inner circle is what their stable is called, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense, I would think. Jericho has established himself as a sort of high-class kind of guy, always saying that he expects AEW to thank him because he's he's honestly their top draw right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure someone could argue with me saying Kenny Omega's a bigger draw, Cody's a bigger draw. But the thing is, Jericho has the resume, he has the ability still, and he's just someone who can be a sol and he's just someone who we know can be solid for a very long time. Oh no, definitely. And I feel like this stable it, it sounds weird, but it's almost like Chris Jericho versus creative <laughs> in a way. <laughs> almost. Because they're and I I would have felt weird if if let's say Hangman was champion because to me and I know I probably am in a minority it would have felt like WCW where you just have like all the guys who are in backstage with all the gold going forward it's like that was one of my hesitations but now watching the second episode of Dynamite that's kind of it's still there but it's kind of like been pushed asunder and I and I'm really happy about that and then also speaking of like quelling my fears private party beating the Young Bucks in the tag team tournament. Oh, yeah. Who would have thought that? I mean, I definitely wouldn't, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, this was the proper decision. AEW is such a fledgling young company, has so much potential, but the last thing you want, and I think they picked this up from WCW, the last thing you want to have is corporate nepotism. Oh, yeah. You don't want to play favorites backstage. You don't want to give people more power in the backstage politics. And... Unlike WCW or even WWE in a, to an extent where it takes us a little while to figure out who were the guys behind that, if AEW tries anything like that, we'll know instantly who's who has that power. Oh, no, for sure. And then, wow, I just hope – I really like Private Party, yeah. and I hope they all make it far. I was in an argument, though, with some guy – or someone, I should say – where – as a gender-neutral term, you can get away with it, probably. Hopefully. But with, I was just in an argument with, with someone, and it was just, they were just so mad that Private Party beat the Young Bucks, where it was just, you, where the whole basis of the argument was, it's some nobody's beating an established team. But then, I, it made me think a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I could see that, but that's the same argument we have with NXT. Like, why are we supposed to care about some of these people coming up? And then they win and we start to care. And I feel like with Private Party winning, more, more people in the audience cared versus, oh, I don't I don't know who these are. And I feel like that's something that AEW has done really good is making their tag teams feel legit. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that sentiment, honestly, because obviously we know... The Young Bucks, even people who just watch WWE or main sh- or main shows, they know about the Young Bucks by now. They know what they bring to the table. They know all about how they are solid. They know that they're arguably one of the best tag teams on the planet. But this win and this match in general, I think more about what happens if the Young Bucks win. Now, what does it do for them? 
over what does it do for private party if they beat the Young Bucks. And honestly, when you really look at it, it doesn't compare. But Young Bucks, it's like, okay, fine. They won. It was obvious. Okay, moving on. But Private Party, them getting that victory, it's fascinating. Because it definitely means that now there's more things and it's not going to be predictable, which is great. Oh, no, for sure. And then going on to the next match, Darby Allen versus Jimmy Havoc. I love Darby Allen. I love Jimmy Havoc. I mean, Havoc's great, too. We know that. I mean, both guys are great. No, they're they're both great. And I just, hmm, it was interesting to me. I honestly was expecting Jimmy Havoc to win. But I'm happy with Darby Allen winning. So, hey, him being number one contender for, for I almost said the bubbly, but the, <laughs> but the championship, the AEW championship, that's going to be great. And in a street fight, nonetheless. So, oh, yeah. in Philadelphia, that's gonna be that's yep. gonna be the match. attracting that old ECW theme, baby. If they're at the if they're at the Royal Albert Hall, that'll be cool. Oh yeah, that'll be just cool. have Sandman. Just all of a sudden have uh, Enter Sandman show up and have Sandman from the balcony with a kendo <laughs> stick and a beer in hand. <laughs> Let it happen, just for just please. I know. Enlighten Tom, me. We know Tommy Dreamer is going to be there because obviously he'll be there. Yeah, play man in the box for him That'd too. Just really go back to the nineties. Mm-hmm. You bring Al Snow, just have him have head, have him just go insane. Because I saw an entrance one time with him on uh, one of my on a Facebook page I'm a, a part of. Mm-hmm. And everyone just lost their minds when it happened. If W, if AEW could do anything like that, that would be incredible. No, get would... people hyped up for the entrances and make it seem like this is the best talent in the world. Just make have. it, just make it ECW. That's all. That's all it is one night only. There you go. <laughs> AEW, yeah, there you AEW, go. AEW, a one night only. only show where everything goes. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I know that'll be cool. And then. Going to the women's tag match, Britt Baker and Riho defeating B. Priestley and Emmy Sakura. I mean, it makes sense, I think. Baker and, I mean, Britt Baker, obviously the girlfriend of Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. A solid heel in her own right, I would say. And the Mandible Claw, for her gimmick, is actually really good. Oh, no. It's it's her, a good choice. Her submission just like, just almost. I don't want to call it just a mandible claw because it felt like a cross face into a mandible claw, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just like, like something so unique where I haven't seen it, and it probably probably exists in Japan somewhere. Probably. But it was just so good. And I'm like, yes, please. More I- of this? I am more interested to see um, Riho because they're obviously doing a good job with her. I assume that the first program she's going to have is with Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. But I think it's wise for AEW to focus on a lot more women than just the top two or the top three. Because oh, then, no, for sure. Because then that gives more talents. You can establish more talents. You can create more avenues for creative. And I think that what you have with that is a very well-balanced product. Oh, no, definitely. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do more with the women's division and who else gets brought in. Because apparently, according to Cody and them, we still haven't seen all the roster yet. So it should be interesting. And then going on to another real wrestling match, as some people somewhere say, Moxley versus Sean Spears. Actually, and this may sound harsh, before this, I didn't really care that much about Sean Spears. Even when he was facing Cody and they had that whole match at, what was it, Double or Nothing? Um, or, or all out all out yeah yeah and i just didn't feel i just didn't feel any connection but right now him with Tully Blanchard in this match against John Moxley even though he lost i'm starting to get behind him now and i think he he over time now will become a dominant heel yeah i think one of the honestly the big mistakes that AEW did first time out was having Spears lose to Cody i think that was a missed opportunity I think that you could have done a lot more for Spears then. And honestly, it seems like they've learned that, especially with the private party being the Young Bucks. But I think losing to Moxley was, I think losing to Moxley was the right call here, though. I just think um, another issue was just him being booked in a heel, in, the, in that heel tag team with, uh, what was it, Guevara and 
Guevara and Havoc, I want to say. No, I think it was MJF, and there was Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. I think that was like a oh right. That was at yeah. a fight for the fallen. Yeah, you're right. That that just threw me off, and I feel like what they're slowly learning better booking decisions. And now, again, I hope Sean Spears keeps growing and will become a dominant heel in the future. Yeah, I, I think it's and I'm and we talked about this privately back a little bit before this started. Um, we definitely talked about that, or at least I talked about that. They did those shows primarily to figure out what the fans want to see. What do they want to have AEW do? What do they expect AEW to plan for the future? All that kind of stuff. And I think that having those big shows first to really hype up the brand, show off the talents, presents anything important. I think that that's what they did. And for the most part, I think it went well, but... It also showed that some cases you have to take your lumps. Oh, no, definitely. And then also after the match, Kenny Omega coming out with the barbed wire broom and bat and all that. That I'm excited. And then Pac just shows up and dominates him again. You say Pac. I say Pac. I mean, it makes sense either way, but mm-hmm. can we just talk about – am I the only one who's a little surprised by how Kenny Omega's being booked? Um – I mean, I mean, I get, I get, again, it's similar to the Young Bucks. I right. get that you need to make other talent look strong, not just you, but I'm expecting Omega to at least get one thing over on them. Oh, no, true. And, um, yeah, it's, it is interesting how he's being booked, but, I mean, he's done so much already that I feel like him being booked like this in this, like, little slump, I feel like it won't hurt him long term. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I would say that he definitely has the talents to work with this. He has the talent to get over it, all that stuff. I think he is a future heavyweight champion. Oh, no, definitely. And I just can't wait for that to be a three-way between Pac, Ma- Omega, and Moxley. That's that going that, to be a match to look forward to. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. The Bastard. He's He was really good. He's really good. I lo- oh, I love Pac. He's great. And now on to the main event. No, not the show on the WWE Network. The actual <laughs> main event of AEW Dynamite. That's another company. <laughs> I'm hilarious. So, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, the inner circle, defeating Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Anna Page, who Shivani called, oh my God, it wasn't Briscoe. I think as like a... Oh, it's a good call. Damn it. Basically, like, was a Dustin Rose and Hangman, a throwback tag team to the days of WCW. And honestly, Dustin Rhodes showed he could still go at, like, his age. Oh, my God. Yeah, he. I think he would even prove that against Cody. And when he teamed up with Cody against the Young Bucks, I think he proved that, sure, he's, sure he's an older guy. He's a steady hand, as Cody likes to say. But I think that as far as having established talent goes, you can do a you can't do much better. I was about to say you can do a lot worse, but that sounds bad, especially for someone who can still go like Rhodes can. Oh no, for sure. And this just makes me so interested to see what they do more with Rhodes because I feel mm-hmm. this may sound weird and it may be like almost hypocritical to what AEW is doing, but I could honestly see him holding the belt at least once. Just as a transitional role, you think? Maybe, or if they do another package with Cody, I wouldn't mind that. Even though, it w- even though it would seem a little hypocritical, but maybe I wouldn't mind seeing that for the belt because I think having that added stakes would be so good. Yeah, that's fair. But real quick, before we go on, we know about Jericho, we know about Rose, we know about Hangman. What did what does this match do for Guevara though? Because he's probably the lesser known out of all four of them. I think that him being a part of this big-time inner circle stable with Jericho, former LAX, and Jack Swagger, or Jake Hager, apparently. Huh? But uh, having those guys around him, I think that's going to do wonders for him going forward. Oh, no, definitely. I I feel like if any match is going to, like... Sh- if there was any match that was going to like show the future, it was this one with Sammy Guevara. And I feel like it's so smart to ha- to pair him with Jericho to get him known 
And even on his own, he was having great matches. His match with Cody on the first episode of Dynamite. First ever match was, on Dynamite. Was, was really good. And I feel like the, his future is just going to be going up and up and up. And throughout this match, yeah, no, it was great to see great to see Hagar, huh? and just to see Santana Ortiz just show up. It was great. Yep, and then MJF showing up, Darby Allen showing up. Am I the only person who's shocked that MJM is – I mean, not MJM. MJF is being booked as a face almost? No, he's his best friend. Yeah, for now. Obviously, there were seeds that he could turn on Cody, and I think eventually he has to because MJF is such a good heel. He literally is – You can't not use him as a heel. Oh, I no. Think. He is one of the best performers there, I feel, in AEW right now, alongside Jericho and uh, – Rhodes, which sounds so weird. They're both like so, like you have two, you basically have the top three guys who two of them are like XWCW WWE and one MJF. Yep. And then Cody, who's former WWE in his own right True. as well. And then apparently at the very end of a segment, Darby Allen coming in on a skateboard of all things. That was great. I was laughing. I was like, yes, this man knows his stuff. I got scared for a minute. I thought it was the one with all the thumbtacks on it. Oh, wow. I got scared. I was like, oh, no. It's like, uh, Darby, what are you doing that's here? No, nah, but that's that's great. Overall, this di- episode of Diamond I feel is really good and even even though people are com- saying like about the crowd sizes and like it's not really selling out that much, it was still a solid show. And I feel like over time, once they start getting their legs more throughout the couple months, it'll be a solid contender to I, I feel not just to NXT, but I think even to Raw. Wow. I mean, obviously, and I checked the ratings for every show. Everyone took a little dip, but honestly, I think with NXT and AEW. May even SmackDown, honestly. We knew that it would fluctuate, at least at this these beginning stages. Right. Because Anik, because all three are on their second week with new networks, probably a new cast and everything, or at least for AEW and SmackDown. So, obviously, I think that fans are going to tune in at first, but then you're going to see things start to go down, and eventually they're going to be in a certain area. So the only question, at least for this, is where are those areas going to be? Oh, no, for sure. And it's just all wait and seeing, and I can't wait. Yep, same. It's a, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan right now. That's all we got to say. Literally, if, literally the perfect time. There's Attitude Era 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I mean, if you're ever going to get back into it, this is the time, I would say. Oh, yeah. Get on the boats. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Which side of the trenches are you on? Let us know. Or don't. Do whatever don't you want. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I don't know why I said that. I don't want to be too... I'm, I'm a... We love you guys. All right. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in, by the way. We appreciate th- thanks it. Thanks for putting up with all of this. This yeah. is, is going to be rough. And I know Dallas is going to be pulling teeth, but thank you guys for at least bearing this. Yeah, we're just, don't worry. This is the first episode. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah, yeah, first episode. Yeah. There's nowhere else to go but up to the top rope. And hopefully we don't fall. But anyway, to close the show, we would like to have a discussion. Okay, go for it. A last discussion, if you will. And this is mainly just just to get our thoughts on it, on a certain topic. And the question is, for the discussion dramatic pause is wwe the new wcw and i'll and i'll say it again i'll say it again i'll say it again is wwe the new wcw i mean i do sense a few comparisons to be honest one of the big ones that i know of is wwe tends to have this bad habit of not creating new stars And I think that's a big reason why some people leave because there was a stretch of time where there were so many guys who were thinking about going. You know, Rusev was expected to be on his way out. Nakamura was someone, Shinsuke Nakamura was someone who could have gone as well. The Revival were big time guys who could have gone. Oh, yeah. Yep. And even now, Luke Harper could be on his way out, even though he's now back in a big role. Right. But as I. Okay, I'm trying to figure out the proper words for this. 
I think that WWE has this bad habit of sticking to a few core guys, and that's it. And part of a reason, and it's not a bad thing, but I think that doing that causes WWE to forget about when they were so good. How they don't have just one dominant star like Hulk Hogan in the 80s, or you could even argue John Cena in the late 2000s. Even though having someone like that, having a distinctive face of a franchise is something you definitely need to have, I think that you want to pair that guy up with several other key superstars. Like in the Attitude Era, you had Stone Cold, you had Kurt Angle, you had Triple H, you had Undertaker. At the very end of it, at the tail end of it, you had Chris Jericho jump over from WCW. And that's a good segue because WCW had so many guys who, as we've seen, had all that top guy potential. They had Jericho, they had Eddie Guerrero, they had Rey Mysterio, they had Chris Benoit even. Mm -hmm. And... And I think that's a big thing. But in the end, WCW revolved around the NWO. They revolved around Sting. They revolved around Goldberg. And that's fine because Sting was really good at what he did. The NWO were established very well. And Hulk Hogan's turn is still arguably the best heel turn of all time. And Goldberg, for what it's worth, his run in WCW, he did what he was advertised to do. He ran through people. And sure, were his matches the greatest? No, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. But he did what he was supposed to do, and that was be a dominant figure in WCW. But the problem is, where and where WCW eventually failed, I think, is that people began to figure out, okay, things aren't going to change. We know that guys that are very talented wrestlers like Jericho, Mysterio, Guerrero, we know that even though they had all the potential in the world, they're not going to really get anywhere here. I think they realized that too, and that's why they ended up jumping shit. Right. And WWE recently had that itself with Jon Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, jumping shit from WWE to AEW to be, I don't know, I don't know if we'd classify it as the opening salvo. Of the uh, Wednesday Night Wars, or wrestling wars in general? Probably. But it was a big deal, and especially with Moxley still going after WWE after all this time. I think that that's definitely been one of the big current storylines so far. Well, you mentioned um, NWO. Like, do you see anybody, like, in WWE, like, to play Devil's Advocate, do you see anybody, like, in that Hogan role? Like, we know, like, how much control the NWO had, like, not just in kayfabe, but also behind the scenes with everything. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, who would be in that role. Like, I guess my my first thought comes is Vince McMahon. He's the owner of the company. But it's just... How much control does he have, really? Right, because, like, even then, like, it's amazing to think about that Vince McMahon has control, but even he has to answer to shareholders. And yeah, so who obviously. who are like the upper heads, even though it is the McMahon show, who are the real, the real like heads, you know what I mean? Yeah, like where do we go from there? Because who we can blame McMahon all we want. We can blame the Kevin Dunn and the whole creative team all we want for any storylines that don't go the way we expect. Obviously, Hell in a Cell was something that mm-hmm. we didn't expect with the whole controversial ending to that, but we figured out Bray Wyatt ended up getting a concussion. Right. Say. Yes. So that was more of an on the fly kind of deal, but he's not the only guy WWE's failed to pull the trigger on. No, true. And over like, and it's just not just this one time, but throughout his career, but yeah, WWE just seems to be going down a road where it's not irreversible, but it's just because they have so much and they can't do enough with their whole roster. It just feels like, guys are being either wasted or thrown away or seen for a couple weeks and gone seen for like a day then left it's just it's just very interesting and with AEW coming up it almost feels like a new horizon is on the way and that sounds really corny and cheesy to say but it just feels like something something either has to change for them or they're going to be forced to change like either they have to change themselves or they're going to be forced to. So yeah. it's just going to be interesting to see going forward. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I would think that WCW, it didn't change, and it ended up failing. And now that WWE has this new competitor, they have to realize where WCW made the mistakes and figure out how do we counteract that. And I think this draft, actually, going back to what we talked about earlier, 
I think that's a big time thing. I think that all of a sudden we're going to see who's going, who's, who do we expect to be the big guys? Who are, who should we expect to be in the main event picture? Who can we see in the mid card and who can we see graduate from the mid card to the top of the card and so on and so forth? Because wrestling's always going to be changing. We know this by now. Oh no, for sure. And it's just going to continue to change and hopefully it changes for the better. Always. But that's all the time we have, folks. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time out of your day to listen to us ramble about wrestling. So, yeah. Yep, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode of a Rebel Wrestling Podcast presented by Rebel Report. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yep, see you guys next time. Bye-bye. See you.